The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Matt Michaels here on the DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing? Little little sleepy? Yeah, a little, little sleepy. Couldn't couldn't sleep. Got up real early and then tried to catch up on some sleep after a few hours of being awake in the dark. You know, um, when you have... Uh, those kind of restless dreams, uh, not necessarily nightmares, but you know, kind of dreams you kind of just How kind of know it was like, a wrestler's dream. Well, that's the whole thing. Like, what kind of do you have those those freak out dreams of something happening that's totally going wrong or someone, uh, you know, oh, yeah, I have, I have plenty of wrestler dreams of a show that was like, oh my god, there's nobody there, what's going on. And then you wake up and it's like, oh, wait, my show ain't till next week. Whew. Okay. Is, is there uh, is there any uh, one wrestler who you uh, you have uh, continuous nightmares about? No. Thankfully, I don't on that end. It's just, uh, you know, situations sure. that aren't going well and what's happening and where people and what's this. And, uh, yeah, it's just weird. It really, it really brings you into your psyche, you know? It's like, sure. how is this even possible? You know, you're asleep, but you have these weird dreams. I don't know. Yeah, but it's weird sometimes. But at the same time, though, do you do you still have dreams taking you back to, uh, you know, like when you were growing up and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, I still have that. I, I recently have dreams about my, my, my dad or mother who's passed away and... It just seems like yesterday, you know, that yeah. and then you, you add up the years, especially with my dad, because that was 1997. Yeah. You know, Joey was like two years old. So, you know, he barely got to know my kid. But I remember them playing because and then you also see the memories because you get pictures and yeah. it's crazy. You know, you, you think about it and then it's like, ah, picture, ah, picture. And it's like, man, I really would have loved to have these grouping of pictures because a friend of mine that I grew up with and, you know, he always took pictures and it was like, I remember going to a kiss concert and we were back, back not backstage, but we went back to the hotel with a group uh, called black and blue. And it's funny because one of the guys from black and blue is now part of kiss uh, Tommy Thayer, which I didn't even know was the same guy. And just the bands that, working in college radio and being the music director, I did a lot of interviews and got a lot of backstage and missed out on so many things. And then you see like these weird mullets I had or these weird news <laughs> and, and stuff. And it's like, you go back and you giggle about them and it's like, wow, 
you know, people don't really capture the memories back then the way they do now because you have a phone with the with, with the picture with the camera. Right. You actually have to bring a camera with you to places back then in the nineties. Right. You know, and and it, it's hanging out with poison in their you know their tour bus because the California band is playing in New York for the first time ever. And we're getting an interview with them. Right. So, and it's the same thing. I remember being at, uh, we used to go to the hard rock cafe in New York all the time. And one time was like for the Russell release party and pile driver, whatever it was. And we got to hang out and meet the honky tonk man and do an interview. And I remember they had a show when we were, I was a wrestling fan at 19 and we were we were leaving and we were walking out and then all of a sudden this guy gets out of the cab and it's fucking Bret Hart and I was a huge Bret Hart fan back then but that was when Bret was still like in the Hart Foundation and you know he was wrestling at the Meadowlands because every month there was a show at the Meadowlands every month there was one in Madison Square Garden every month there was one at Nassau Coliseum you know and I remember oh shit Bret Hart and then we ended up talking for like 15 20 minutes super cool and it's like all these interactions, you know, I'd have 10 billion selfies if selfies was a thing back in, you know, 1989. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. And it's also, you know, we're just talking pictures. Now you've got video, which even makes it, you know, stranger. <laughs> Cause could you imagine you know, back back in '89, you had to have, you know, the biggest damn camera, video camera, with the VHS cassettes because they didn't even have the, you know, the smaller ones yet. And uh, it's just crazy to think that, you know, what you could have had memory wise, um, you know, now it, you can basically save your whole life onto your phone. Yeah, it's crazy because I remember back probably I lived in Long Island for a few years and I moved out of there in 79. So we used to go to Nassau Coliseum and, you know, I'd see Bruno San Martino and this was way before the Hulk Hogan days. And I remember there was this photographer guy and he was a big deal. I remember his name was George something. And he used to go to a lot of the New York events and he would take tons of pictures. And I remember he would usually sell them and it would have like we were in the audience and he would sell pictures. And I remember buying pictures for probably like five bucks each. That yeah. they were like, you know, they weren't they weren't from the, the Polaroid that snapped and then it developed into it. Right. It, right. He had good pictures. Right. But you know, that's what people bought back then. You know, just like when you know people can talk about trading VHS tapes. Right. You know. And then speaking of that, I saw that as of yesterday or today or starting in January, there'll be no longer physical DVDs made by the WWE. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. I haven't seen that yet. No, phys- no physical media. Wow. I don't know. If, if, if I want to buy WrestleMania, how do I buy it? Through a stream? I, I'm not sure even how that would even work. Well, it's it. It seems like um, <clears throat> it'd either be through uh, Amazon Prime, uh, Vudu, one of the streaming services, um, 
or uh, they're going to stop licensing out the actual. Uh, I, I, I don't know why they would miss out on that money though. That would be kind of stupid um, to you know to to not give any type of. Uh, yeah, because it seems like in looking at cutting more people. I just read. You know, they're looking it into every production person and, you know, downsizing because yeah. they're trying to bring in every possible dollar. And it's hard for me to believe that to develop a WrestleMania, it's right sitting there. Yeah. Like I, when we used to do DVDs, it didn't cost anything pretty much. You know, you'd sell a DVD for 20 bucks, cost you $3 to make. Right. Yeah. So with streaming, you don't have to get the DVD case. You don't right. have to get the, the, the blank DVDs. You know, the stream, you just send it to somebody. Right. Now, the problem becomes, I guess, the encoding and all the other stuff. Because in reality, if you send me a stream, I can now send it to you. Right. Yeah. But that's no different than five people using the Amazon or the Netflix password. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting. Um, speaking of uh, streaming, Fight Plus uh, coming up here on uh, Saturday night. Crossing our fingers. Still got to get Spider in there to make sure like the mics are hooked up and everything. The internet's back on. So uh, there really shouldn't be a reason. Um, <clears throat> when you look at um, that whole idea of... Um, production being ready and and being able to get out and stream is it you know is it frustrating when it's not necessarily in your hands that you can't control that um that it's you know something as a, it was a little problem but you know you didn't know um how do you how do you balance that out like you know without freaking out about it and going well damn we did all this work and you know we can't get it out there you know for a long time you know guys like remy and all these people you know you need to delegate more you need to delegate more and i'm like well it's hard for me to delegate because you know everybody's looking out for themselves and if something doesn't benefit them they're not going to worry about it so if they miss it oh well so it's like well if I know everything that needs to be done, if something doesn't get done, well, between Joey and Spider, the production uh, has been fine. It, it's not easy. So I don't know that stuff. And Rocky don't know that stuff. So the two people that at least if we knew the stuff, we can get we can get things done. You know, there's there's nothing more irritating than me have to try to call my kid or Spider a hundred times like. Well, why is this cord not here? What is what cord goes there? <coughs> sure. And, and it's a lot harder to explain in that situation. Right. Reality is back at the school. So there should be no issues. Everything should be hooked back up the way it should. But now we need somebody who's able to edit, you know, a three camera shoot. And yeah. it's like, well, Spider, I got to work. And Joey's like, oh, I got this YouTuber guy. And, and it's like, okay, well, we don't have people in place. But maybe I could get somebody in place if you told me Monday or Tuesday that you weren't going to be there Saturday. Instead of at 4 o'clock on Saturday, like, hey, where are you guys at? Oh, I'm not going to make it. Oh, I'm not going to make it. I'm like, well, then who the fuck's going to make it? 
you know, and it's like, you don't know. And the internet was out. So, okay, I get it. But again, the internet shouldn't have been out. It should have been fixed by then. But I'm, but being not aware. And that's the problem about delegating. Yeah, you know, I, I can delegate, but I also need to be informed. I'm the boss. I need to know. Like when I get a message, just offhand, I just, from my dream, Devin Reno said he wasn't going to be there on Saturday. I don't know, something about a toothache or whatever it was. But that was my dream. I just, re- I just recalled that. Like, dude, we got a fucking tag match, you know, and this is like technically the day before the show. So, <laughs> oh man, if if Devin Reno does contact you and say he has a toothache, there you go. Maybe I should look into those psychic, uh, you know, numbers to go down to Prim and pick some lottery numbers. Hell yeah! Oh man. Um, well, speaking of that, you, uh, you got, uh, you know, a, a card shaping up here for Saturday. Um, what's, uh, what's going on? What are we looking at? Because there's been some, uh, some stuff out there now that looks uh, pretty exciting. Well, yeah. Uh, right now we're looking for who's going to wrestle the tag team champions, Royce and Jarrell. So I came up with the idea of uh, tag team eliminator matches. And I got approached by Dante King uh, between his new formed friendship with Damian Drake. So we got a match. So they will, the winner will advance. It's Damian Drake and Dante King versus uh, the Billionaire Boys Club. There's no uh, Jordan Cruz. So it'll be Class and Reno who have actually teamed up in, in real life more than Jordan Cruz and Devin Reno. So there, there were... They're, you're not losing anything. And then they had a great opportunity to already wrestle uh, Royce and Jarrell and came up short. So the winner of that will advance. Uh, we also have a second eliminator match. The regulators are back and they're going to be taking on greatness and tenacious who just came off a win. So that'll be two teams that advance. Uh, I just set a match up. It was going to be the 16th or the 31st. Uh, the Suavecitos return in an eliminator match, and they're going to take on a hot new tag team, the Po Boys. So that's mm-hmm. for our New Year's show. Nice. And, and, you know, and, and there's still some other teams in there <coughs> that um, we're looking for. We're also looking for one or two brand new teams that haven't been in FSW or a team like Tito and Che, if they're available, to be in there because I'm looking for the best tag teams we can. You know, Sky High uh, will have a match. They just were not available. So that's the key to go into No Escape, which is going to be January 28th. Now, we got to figure out how the four winners will move on to challenge. But, you know, everything everything has its place. Uh, Hero Lou returns after <clears throat> being one of the final two guys in the uh, Rumble match. And, you know, he's got his eyes set on uh, Shogun. Uh, he'll be taking on one of our future shock stars, Oliver Canaday. So wow. two, two big boys. Uh, they're going to go at it. We got two rookies, RBJ and Demir Morningstar. They're going to go at it. As RBJ posted his very first match, he teamed with Demir. Yeah. So um, we're also working on a uh, scramble match that right now features – 
Damian Desire, who we like a lot. Uh, Fox Valentine, who uh, has a victory over Damian Drake. So he's another rookie who is really coming on. Uh, Jacob Austin Young will be on hand. And he's getting the microphone. So we're going to be seeing what's up because Bateman and Laz will also be on hand. Mm-hmm. So we can look for something there. The new heavyweight champion, Shogun. Uh, we'll talk about him becoming the new FSW heavyweight champion. So it, it's a show that has a lot of mixture. Right. Top tier guys as well as some of the uh, the up-and-coming talent. Um, when you look at that up-and-coming talent, which has really uh, kind of shined this year, there, there's been a lot of uh, growth and development in a number of guys um, at a quick pace. Uh, does, that, does that encourage you for, you know, two, on, on two counts, I guess, uh, you know, what is going to be coming up for 2024 and how these guys continue to develop, as well as what that means to the potential of, uh, you know, the school kind of continuing to, you know, develop the young talent and maybe attract more eyes um, because of how fast these guys are developing. It's kind of astonishing how good some of these guys are early on well you know sometimes you forget about the 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 group before or the year before you know when we came out of the pandemic we have nick zander brett the threat and the suavecitos so those are three guys who really you know blew up and you got to understand it takes time So it's like, oh, yeah, but what about the next year? And what about the next year? And it's like, well, it's kind of hard. You know, Demir and Davion were kids. Davion was part of the the kids' class. So, you know, the newer guys, even though they had some training at Chase Bell, you know, and there's so many people that fall by the wayside. But this crew, you know, I've always had a uh, love-hate relationship with Future Shock because – it's another show that's being added. The show cost is minimal, so you you don't really have a problem doing it, but you're relying on the students to sell to their family and friends because a lot of other times we might have two other shows that month that are featuring the, the Hammerstones and the Danny Limelights and the main roster FSW talent. So it's tough enough to get – a good amount of people to come to the FSW arena twice a month to see those shows to now see another show with a bunch of kids generally that have very little experience. So we have to rely on the students to sell tickets to their family and friends. And this group, as we've learned by giving them opportunities that an RBJ selling tickets, in the past, it would be one one guy, maybe two. Here we got RBJ sells tickets, Fox sells tickets, uh, John Trademark sells tickets, uh, Rainey, Adrian Rain, who's only had a couple of matches. You know, he sold double-digit tickets. And, 
you get the comments like, man, I wish our regular crowd was like that. Well, the difference is our regular crowd has seen it before and they've seen it a million times. So when you're seeing these younger guys that your family or friends and you're not wrestling fans, you're going to pop bigger because you're excited for your friend. You're excited for your cousin, whatever it is. So making future shock because we would talk about future shock and it'd be like, Oh, we hadn't had a future shock in three months because the way the scheduling did, we were trying to get the bigger shows out there to set up for the casinos. But one way or the other, it really seems like future shock has to be on the calendar every month. You know, uh, raw Reese did well, Oliver sells tickets, Canada uh sanders got his first opportunity he's not as inexperienced as the others uh he wrestled a lot in norcal till he moved to vegas but he finally got his opportunity because he wasn't here that much and i try to explain that to him you know a lot of people feel like hey what about me and it's like bro you're just not around enough and you know now he's around enough and he got an opportunity and instead of wrestling jimmy jack he had to wrestle sharp because jimmy jack got stuck and wasn't able to make it on time he showed up but he showed up too late so, and Raw Reese had his first match in a while and, and did very, very well. And the younger tag teams, Demir and Davion, they, they seem to like tagging. And they also know in most cases, there might not be a spot right. for one or both of them, but I may need a tag team. So they, they are embracing the Killer D's as well as Jimmy Jack and Chase Bell. And seemingly Dante King and, and Damian Drake, they train together. They, they wrestle together. You know, Damian Drake's kind of in a funk a little bit. So maybe, you know, going back to where he had huge success in a tag team might be the answer for him. And, you know, we're also looking at the Damian Desires who have basically put forth like, hey, you know, this is where I want to be. Brittany Brooks, hey, this is where I want to be. So they're kind of blowing off other bookings, <laughs> especially locally, to focus on FSW. Right. As I've always said in the past, it's hard for me to bring in somebody from Arizona or California on a regular basis when they're working four or five other shows in town. It just, they're, 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 there's nothing other than the, their value to me isn't as high right you know there's people we like but you could see them five times in vegas this month well nobody's really going to go out of their way to buy a ticket to see them at our show if they could see them tomorrow and yesterday somewhere else right and being the guy not stopping other people from wrestling other companies especially the younger guys and then they get put into their own stories there which is sometimes kind of weird where they're working in a group over there, and here I have them basically wrestling each other. You know, yeah. it's just not comfortable, especially when a lot of our regular fans also are going to attend a show when they like, hey, AJ's working over there. Hey, Fox is working over there. Hey, RBJ's working over there. So they're going to they're, they're gonna support wrestling. They love FSW, but they, they love wrestling. So they can go to a show and they see some people on there that they really like. If you're a wrestling fan, why wouldn't you want to see Chris Bay versus Nick Xander at Big Valley's anniversary show? Sure. 
Uh, there's nothing I could say that's believable that would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't go to that. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, Fresco's wrestling at Jace Battle. Well, Jace Battle was a, a champion in FSW. Yeah. But he's also another guy who's working a lot of different shows. So there isn't really like, hey, we've talked a couple times, but it, it, there just isn't the urgency of him being here probably on his end either. Like he probably wouldn't mind, just like I wouldn't mind, but it's like, okay, again, we got 40 guys for 25 spots. How do we how do we incorporate him, but then leave off an FSW guy who's trained with us, who's paid us, who's earned the right to maybe get a match to now get bumped by different people that are working elsewhere. And as right. I spoke to Damien Desire, <clears throat> you know, Gypsy Mac and Dante King were the same way because they were working everywhere else but us. Right. I have issues, but it was like, yeah, you're working there, there, and there. I, I, I can, I can focus on somebody else that they can only see at FSW, which means now they have to come to FSW. You want to see Danny Limelight? You're not going to see him anywhere but FSW. Right. Yep. Hammerstone. You know, Class Reno. A lot of these guys, they, they FSW is the place. And I also look at it differently. I was thinking about it the other day and it's like, you know, we're the only wrestling company technically in this town that runs because we're running a school every day. Right. I love the idea of I do my regular life. I book a show, try to promote it here and there, but I don't have to worry about anything until the show six weeks from now. Right. Which is how we first started. <clears throat> and it was great. You know, we would set up our show for the Silver Nugget back in 2009 and 2010. And we'd have a show. And then I'd go on and I'd DJ in the club and do my thing. And, and hopefully, you know, try to put the show together. And in the early days, you'd always get those one or two cancellations and you'd have to scramble around. You know, always learned back then. Everybody always seemed to wait. Everybody always seemed to have a major issue the day of the show. Right. Never the week of the show. It was always the day of the show. Yeah. So, you know, I have to now, like I did yesterday, I had to go to the school. Hey, I had to, I had to get the TriCaster working. So I was able to upload a couple of the future shocks that we never aired on Fight Plus. So now I'm sending to the Fight Plus. This is my week. Talking to Omar about doing Lucha Libre stuff January 19th at the Dollar Loan Center outside in January. Making sure they got heaters. Making sure how many matches they want. Making sure we don't lose money doing it, but because we want the relationship, how do we make a few dollars and make everybody happy? Right. Then it's like, okay, new year, new canvas. And now I'm in the process. You know, we got... We already got three people. You know, MK's working with uh, Dale Torborg, the demon, on his company. So he's, they're going to be sponsoring. And Jenny Santana, her, her, her bio store changed their name. So they're going to be redoing it. Uh, amazingly, there's this company, this guy John from Abraxas Energy came to a show, loved it. Here, I got some money for you. You know, do something with it. Okay, uh, would you like to be on the canvas? Yeah, sure. So I hit him up. I was talking about 
We're trying to get guardrail covers that look really good. So I got MK and I got Abraxas Energy to sponsor the, the, the guardrail covers. So it's just like, hey, you know, it's nonstop working and working. Yeah. It's like, okay, what about once a week getting at least on Fight Plus? Because we didn't start airing there in May. There's so many good shows that maybe only aired on the network. Well, right. we might get a few dollars. Well, a few dollars adds up when you got 20 shows that have never been aired and they go on, you know, fight. So it's a, it's a little added income in that situation. Then it's like, okay, you know, what venues are available? You know, everything can't be the silver nugget. Where do we, we're trying to get things to where, unfortunately, the Silverton and Samstown are just kind of out of our reach. It's just too much money to just go to a place that we used to pay so much less to be at. Right. They're not really doing anything to help us other than they're saying that they cost more money now. Right. So, unfortunately or fortunately, you know, I, I wanted to get into this. It's, it's a 24-7 thing. So, as each year passes and, hey, you got your dues. Hey, what about this venue? Oh, hey, you know, I, I appreciate the place, but, you know, your place is closed down. You go on Google and say, can, can you give us a better deal? Like, why does the marquee not say the Hefe Bet Event Center is open? You know, simple things. Right. Like, put down everything. So you had to pay the sign company to take everything down. So it probably couldn't cost too much more to just adjust the letters, especially like we would have to pay whatever it was four or $500 to be on the marquee. And the first time we did, it was AEW weekend. It basically said pro wrestling. I wish I would have known because it, it was up there for like four months and we did two other shows. You know, if I knew the dates, it would have been like, Hey, May 28th, June 17th and August 40 or August 24th. Right. I would have seen pro wrestling for three different shows. Instead, you know, you, you're looking in July and it says live pro wrestling May 24th because right. you've never taken down the sign. And it's like, you know, you got to make people aware that one part of your business is open because in reality, Especially to them, that's the major part of their business wasn't the casino. It was the event center. Sure. Yeah. And regulars who are seeing it on Facebook, like the show's there. Are you sure? It's, it's closed. So, you know, so there's so many different things that you're thinking like, well, what does he got to worry about? He's got a school, you know, they pay once a month. And they got a show coming up January 28th. What does he need to worry about the Silver Nugget? Well, I need to worry to make sure that, you know, we thought the place was going to be open. You know, you have to keep tabs on different things. And, you know, talking to different people. Hey, you know of any places? You know, I'm so desperate if I get a good deal, I'd even go back to Diversion. <laughs> because I'm just looking for a good deal. And it's like, you know... I'll take one for the team. You know, we we reached an agreement on a date, and the show was eight weeks later. And four weeks later, 
I never gotten the contract yet. So it's on me to be like, okay, we agree on the date. I'll be here this week to get the contract. And right. then if the contract, then they're going to have to make amends instead of, well, you don't have a contract. What am I going to do? I'm going to sue for a verbal agreement. Right. I guess, but it's going to cost a lot of money to probably not make any money. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's how you learn in the business. It's like, I'm always a guy of my word. If I say this is the date we're doing, this is the date we're doing. If we don't have a contract, I don't say, hey, sorry, Silver Nugget. I know we, we said we had a show in 10 days, but I just booked a different venue. Right. Because yeah. I remember when I had a scramble because of what Diversion Amusement did. Right. And thankfully, the Nuggets stepped up and didn't. And, and and they didn't be like, they didn't gouge us. Like, hey, we need this. We'd probably like to do more than one show. You know, we had talked in the past when, when the new management took over. They came to me. And then different management took over where they were offering us the building. So, you know, would we love to do the 15th anniversary show at Samstown if we couldn't do the Dollar Loan Center, which is still a long shot either way? But, you know, we're hoping because that's a whole different thing. Yeah, I'd love to do the Dollar Loan Center. But if we can only get 500 people in a 5,700-seat arena, it's going right. to look like shit. Right. So now it's like getting the arena and then bringing in these huge name guys that people who are WWE fans would be like, oh, shit, I'm going to get to see, oh, the Hardy Boys. Oh, I'm going to get to see this guy Hey, Chris Jericho, like those are names that we have contacts to. Right. And we have contacts to every major name in the business. And in AEW, you can work those shows. So, you know, I hit up Disco. Hey, at, see what Jericho wants and see if what we can package and, and, and all this other stuff. Wait, wait, wait. I thought, you, I thought you meant you hit up Disco as being the headliner. Well, he could wrestle Jericho. For the WCW television title. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that does make a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of sense in terms of, uh, you know, how everyday operations and things like logistics um, just kind of are going to always be an uphill battle because of the fact that it's not like, uh, it's not like you have a it's not like you're coming in once a year or you're you know you're not uh renting out a place just for you know one big show and then that's it for the rest of the year um you know if you ran every other show at the school you know it you'd still have all these logistical questions about doing one big show so uh, right, like I, I said, uh, no escape. No escape would have to be a full steel cage show because the cage <clears throat> would need to be put up before the right. event. There's just no room on the sides with chairs and people there. Right. So now it's like, <clears throat> how exciting is an eight-man, eight-match steel cage show when three or four of the matches haven't really had any buildup? Right. It's like, yeah, I guess we could do an escape the cage scramble match. I always joke about five or six people, whatever, you know, but 
there's only so many styles of a steel cage match you can do. Right. So now you're, you're stuck in that situation. And there are certain shows that are, are just too big to do there. You know, generally a Mecca would be considered too big to do there. If we're doing a Mecca show and the school is big enough for it, then I probably shouldn't be doing a Mecca show because we're going to lose our ass because yeah. a, a high budgeted show beforehand. We know we're going to bring in X amount of guys and we know that we have to pay for that. And right. it's not a Mecca if it's a FSW show and we bring in Rhino and right. it's else is the same well then that's an fsw show the mecca shows have been known to be oh man this guy's a ex wwe guy and an ex aew guy and a current aew guy and a current ring of honor guy and somebody you know having team filthy in there and and they're coming fresh off you know a run in japan and stuff like that so or having cross back for the first time after uh, the his first match out of WWE and bringing in Jacob Fatu to wrestle him, you know, and it's like, okay, well, this is cool. Well, the very first one where Davy Richards canceled, so Ring of Honor because we always booked it. Hey, I got Bubba Dudley in there to do a run in, cut a promo, put somebody through a table, who happened to be Royce and Jarrell, I believe. No, sorry, it was uh, Royce and uh, Rob Conway. Uh, <laughs> against the whirlwind gentleman and then having you know british bulldogs kid and against willie mack and morrison and strickland and ar fox and and all these guys when you look at it, it's like oh shit matt riddle was on a show wrestling brian cage like you had the super indie guys yeah and that's what separates the mecca from the other shows so, you know, the logistics is, hey, anybody out there know a three to 600 seat venue that's not going to gouge you? Right. Because now you got to rely on sponsors. And it's like pretty much a shame if I got to get a $5,000 sponsor just to partially pay for a venue. Right. Yeah. Uh what does it mean to you uh, when a company like TNA is trying out something like the Palms? Uh, do you look at to see like how that business is going to do in January in terms of, I mean, obviously you're going to be around it because of the ring and, and the relationship you have with them. But does that kind of gauge the idea of like, hey, if we did have, you know, the Dollar Loan Center or had a bigger venue, that it would be worth, you know, investing into that price, which is going to be a little more on the higher side because we can see that there is, uh, you know, a, a bigger audience than, you know, uh, there was maybe two, three years ago. Honestly, no, because I think of the Palms and I think, wow, they must be paying without knowing X amount of dollars for this venue. 
that is insane. It's insane. And the thing is, it's like you can't go in without going through Ticketmaster. So now sell our front row for $50. My average fan is going to have to pay $75 because now they're going to pay probably more than $25 on a $50 ticket. Right. I mean, or at least close to that. So now they're paying $75 or the $25 GA becomes $45. Yeah. And it's like, that's not something, you know, that's strip prices. And we know with the locals, you know, we're not WWE. Like they'll go. And we've also seen with WWE, if it's not a raw SmackDown or pay-per-view, those house shows in 10, 12,000, 15,000 seaters don't do more than a couple thousand. Right. So literally 90% of their audience that will come for a raw will not go to a house show. Yeah. It's just like FSW. There's a good amount of people who, no matter what the show is, if it's at the arena where there's no drinking, there's no socializing, there's no real food, that's not the night out of going, hey, you know, I messaged somebody who came to our last casino show and got like nine front row tickets because he knew Garth and they started talking about wrestling and guy purchased nine front row tickets. And I hit him up about a couple dates. Oh, yeah, this one might be, hey. And then I'd be like, oh, we got a big show the 28th of January. Oh, is that a casino show? And... There's a lot of people who perk up because it, it's a casino show. It's it, it's an event. Yeah. While the FSW arena shows is for the hardcores. And if the casuals can make it great, if not, they'll come to the next one, whatever it is. So it's not like, unfortunately, must see. Right. Right. Or they paid their eight bucks for Fight Plus and you know what? Eh, it wasn't a great month for them. They don't really want to pay 120 for three front row tickets. They could sit home. They've already paid the eight bucks and watch it live on Fight Plus. Yeah. So we have to take the good with the bad in that situation. The good is that, hey, we're reaching people from all across the world. But the bad part is there's a lot of locals that might be just watching it Maybe, maybe, maybe if we're not on Fight Plus, maybe there's 20, maybe there's five, maybe there's 40 people who would have paid 20, 30 bucks to come watch us live. But now they're in the comfort of their own house. I'm no different. I can go to, I, I can pay a lot of money to go watch the Raiders play at Allegiant, but I don't want to pay a lot of money to go watch them play at Allegiant. I can watch them on Channel 8 every single week. And it's probably a better seat. Now, if I got a good price or if somebody offered me a ticket, and that's the thing, it's not going to be a good price. So it's like, hey, if you subscribe to Fight Plus and you want to come to the show, I'll charge you only 10 bucks. You know what I mean? It's like, what do you, what, what do, you do? Right. You know, people sick. They had a long day. We ran a show on a Sunday. They watched football all day. They got drunk. Whatever it is, they went to the Raider game. They don't want to go to another event for three hours. Right. Oh, so it's just trying to circumvent through everything for everything. Yeah. 
And, you know, the older you get, the less excited you are about doing it all. Right. And that's when the conversations are like, man, how much longer do I got in me? Sure. Doing it. Like, I feel fine. For a guy who's had six bypasses, I feel fine. It was, we're coming up on, I don't know, three years. And I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Wasn't it 2020? No, I th- it, it was, was 19. Pandemic. Was it 19 then? Wow. No, I don't know. No, yeah, I guess it had to be 19. It would have been 19 then, yeah. My mom was there, and my mom passed in 21. Yeah. So, yeah, because that's been two years. So, yeah, probably in 19. So, you know, that was four four to five years ago. And I feel exactly the same. Like I said, when, when I had to go in for the bypass, I didn't feel bad to begin with. I just took tests, and they said, hey, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's kind of weird having to get major surgery when you don't even feel bad. You know, right. the first time I got a stent put in and I didn't feel good. I was like, man, it was like right here. Like there was something going on in my heart and I knew it. And I didn't want to go to the doctor and I did. So the second time around was a surgery that was a hundred times more difficult than this one. And I didn't feel ill in any way. Now, one thing I remember going up the stairs with the stent and I'm like man I remember the first time I was by my pool I was taking the thing off the filter and it wasn't like really being very active like and then it happened like four or five times so I finally went to the doctor and got the stent and the other one was just regular testing so you you never know and you see it now you know people drop like flies yeah if you're 28 58 or you know, poor Norman Lear, only 101. Poor guy. Didn't get to 102. Man, he, he had so much left to accomplish. Yeah. The guy barely yeah. did anything. Dick, Dick Van Dyke won the bet. Yeah. <laughs> now he can't collect, though. Hey, Look at Jimmy yeah. Carter. Motherfucker's been in hospice for like a year. Most people last, his wife lasted two days. When yeah. they say on a hospice, it's like, all right. All that means is you have a day or two to get the funeral arrangements in place. Right. And nine months later, Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, he's still, he's still there. I saw some pictures. Doesn't look like he's still there. I was like, wow. Yeah. It, it was, it was not, uh, <laughs> it was not pleasant. Uh, you know, you know. I want to, I want to see the, uh, the meter that shows that someone's actually breathing in there. Well, you know, that's uh, you kind of talked about it. And this is something that I just saw as we kind of uh, getting closer to wrapping up here. Um, I just read uh, earlier today, someone had a uh, a post about uh, AEW and uh, their recent shows. Uh, I think it was in uh, Quebec, uh, wherever they did uh, Collision and Dynamite. Uh, this past week and how, uh, you know, dynamite did all right, but collision didn't do well at all in terms of ticket sales. And one of the keys in this person doing some research and reaching out, 
was that the advertising in the market for Collision, your second tape day was basically zero. You know, it was really, really minimal, um, which brought up the big question, is a big company, even the WWE, unless it's WrestleMania, uh, running a sh running your TVs uh, two consecutive nights, is that something that's just kind of now out of question? You know, is that something that just people can't afford or don't have the same type of enthusiasm for if you have to choose between going to Dynamite or Collision when Collision, even though if you watch it, kind of a better product is not the main storylines that you get on dynamite or maybe some of that the main talent you get on dynamite like how do you how do you see that as a promoter now where people you know basically have to choose the other point that was made is the wwe was running uh, a show you know a, a couple weeks later um coming up here in the same market and that people, you know, now have to make a choice if I spend my money on AEW or WWE. And WWE was offering cheaper ticket prices than what you would be paying to go see Collision. So, I mean, how does how do you balance that nowadays? Well, I look at it this way. AEW, to me, and WWE are total two total opposite kind of companies. AEW is an offspring of Ring of Honor. Okay. No doubt about it. Yeah. AEW got themselves a television deal. So they took the Ring of Honor product, which at that time had the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, and they added a Jericho and they got a Moxley. And they became the they became the, 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 the cool kid on the block. And all of a sudden, like, hey, we're going to Minnesota for the first time. And they're gonna sell 15,000 tickets. And they say, we're going to be at the MGM, and they sell 15,000 tickets like that. Now it's four, five, six years later. Their, their fan base is still a niche fan base. I don't care if they bring Edge there, if they bring Christian there. Say what you want about CM Punk, but the truth of the matter is WWE is known by everybody. Right. They are a global phenomenon. While AEW, man, they're, they're, they're going to be their diehards. You know, they they probably will do great when they do an all-in in Chicago. They'll do really well when they do their double or nothing in Las Vegas. But, you know, when they did Arthur Ashe Stadium, holy crap, we did 18,000 people. And then the next year they did four. Because now it's worn off. It's not like the spectacle that you have to be at. Now it's on every week. Now there's three shows every week. And maybe you grow tired of certain people. Hey, Jericho's on too much. Hey, MGF, he whines too much. You know, wh whatever it is, there's, there's, there's the gossip. Hey, I went over there because I love CM Punk. Oh, they did him wrong. Oh, that CM Punk was a prick. I can't believe they signed that guy. What an asshole. Now all of a sudden, things splinter. And they fracture, and now there's less people. They seem to run in California a lot. Well, how many times do you think Sacramento is going to keep paying 
for these multiple shows. That's why WWE does LA one day. Then they may go up north or they may go to Phoenix. Then they may go to Denver, like for whatever reason. And I guess, you know, production wise, it saves them money. Because again, I saw how much money they supposedly, hey, they grossed, you know, 175 million or something, uh, AEW compared to the first year of 40 or 50. Well, the first year of 40 or 50 probably was based on, you know, 10 shows compared to 170 million on 100 shows. Right. And now all of a sudden, yeah. They draw 2,000, but the problem is they rented out a 16,000-seat arena where sometimes it's okay to do the smaller venue of the group. Like, cat out of the bag. I'm told AEW will be here Super Bowl weekend at the Dollar Loan Center. Hmm. Okay? So that's still 5,700 tickets that they're going to have to sell. The week of the Super Bowl... Right. So how many, because we learned double or nothing in Vegas. I guarantee you 50% of the fan base was not Vegas people, maybe more people from everywhere. Well, you want to try getting a room Super Bowl weekend for a Friday or Saturday night show. You know, you're, in you know Samstown, five hundred dollars for a uh, yeah. you know room. Yeah. So it's, now it's does that mean you're going to rely on the people that maybe can drive in from California or Arizona? Are they going to drive in, watch the show, and drive back? Maybe. But that is an interesting thing to see because supposedly they'll be back in here for a whole week. In May. Right. So, as good as the Dollar Loan Center is at 5,700, 5,600, depending, whatever, you know, how is it going to look? How how are they going to draw? It could WWE is going to be out here at the end of December. I've right. they've been putting out those commercials for two months, and it feels LA night. And you know the FSW fan base is going to be there because they consider him their own. But it's a house show. So I remember you sticking flyers at Thomas and Mac, you know, for all the shows. You put them on the cars. That was better than the the other place because, you know, you put it on the driver's side. A guy at least has to see it before he throws it on the floor. Right. Thing is, you know, you would see, hey, you know, stay away from the Utah license plates. Because you only have so many flyers. Right. You have 5,000 flyers. It's still not enough to do the whole parking lot. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, yeah, if you happen to notice and it's Utah or California, Arizona, and you're running low on the flyers, you know, just pass it up. But there were so many of those people for a raw show. I guarantee you there's not going to be those people for a house show. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And um that goes to also you kind of question then is 
you know, because of the fact that uh, the cons own a football team, uh, is there going to be a lot of um, tickets that are not purchased, but, you know, given to, you know, some of their bigger fans who come out here for the Super Bowl and stuff like that, or some of the. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, every company will go out of their way to try to get people there. We, you know, we're, we're a company that regardless of whatever show it is, you know, we, we try to take care of vet takes. Right. You know, a, you can write it off. B, it's, it's, it's for the veterans to come to the shows. And, you know, same thing when it comes to AEW. You know, I, I've seen, you know, impact sometimes oh, sold out. It's like, you guys are on house seats, bro. Like, right. And I've known for many years with them that they, everybody wants that place to look as busy as possible. A wrestler does not care or wonder, hey, I wonder if that person actually bought a ticket. They just right. care that people are there. Right. And it's easier to perform in front of a lot of people than not a lot of people. Yeah. You know, and you see the pictures and it's like kind of cringy because it's like, you know, Big Bill, as they call him now, Ricky Starks, they win the tag belts and they show the shot and they're going like this, but there's like nobody there. Yeah. Because it's where the hard cam is, which again, generally the hard cam is going to have less people to begin with, but right. On those shows, it's even less because sometimes it's taped after the first taping and they right. go into a second taping. And it's no different than when in the past when WWE used to tape a Monday Night Raw live, but then they would do a second broadcast. So they would tape it every two weeks. Right. And, and again, you know, when you're going to the same market for the 20th time, it makes it difficult. That's why it's tough for a local promotion to last 15 years. Sure. You know, there's other pieces of cake. You know, you go to Cheesecake Factory, what are you going to do? You're going to try as many different things as you like. But if you try that first piece and it's fucking horrendous and you don't like it, there's a good chance you're not trying that second or third piece. Right. You're not going back. I, I try to explain to the students and the wrestlers and stuff. You know, work for a company that that's making an effort. Making an effort isn't here's my flyer posted on your social media. And that's the only money that's being spent. Right. And, you know, that's why sometimes I get a little old age bitter. Like I used to go out and put the fucking flyers on poles and did I did as much as I could and try to get whoever was willing to help the opportunity to be aware of what we're doing. Right. And unfortunately, I don't see that a lot. Like yeah. I'd be at Thomas and Mac or wherever it was. We'd be the only ones handing out flyers. If you had a show, why aren't you handing out a flyer? I'm confident on what my show is going to be if I can get that person there. Yeah. You know, running a show and doing 50 people if we did that for a prolonged period of time, when I first started, we wouldn't be having a conversation. No, nope. no. It's like, you know, take pride in what you do. Try to be the best at what you do. 
try to outwork somebody, you know? And in my age, sometimes you get tired of, I hate saying my age, but it's like, you know, I've been doing it 15 years. So there's different things that give you the passion to continue. And it's like seeing what the younger kids are doing at Future Shock, despite them maybe pissing me off when it comes to the training stuff and, and setting up the gym or whatever it is, at least when they get their opportunities, they go out there. Hey, Joe, if you get me on the show, I can sell you 15 tickets, you know, and how they sell them. Back in the day, it would be like, hey, tickets are 10 bucks. You could sell them for seven, sell five tickets. You can get to be on the show if you're worth, if you, if you're worthy enough. So you have to pay 35 bucks out of your pocket if you can't get your family or friends to buy a ticket. Right. And some would and a lot wouldn't. Now it's like, hey, you know, tickets are 20 and 15. If somebody wants a GA ticket, you can sell it for 10. You can sell it for 15. Pocket five. It's the way you make money. Yeah. Like, obviously, you're not going to probably charge your dad an extra five bucks or your mother. And you probably charge them the 10. But there's random people that may want to come support you that are willing to pay the 15. So now as a student, you're going to get paid more than a main roster guy because yeah. you went and sold tickets. That's why you see anytime you used to see a battle royal or a rumble, Dave Mazzani and his sister would be on the show. They'd come up and they'd be like, they'd have like a with a Ziploc bag filled with. <laughs> And it'd be like, oh, here, it was a little slow. We only sold $520 worth of tickets. You know what I mean? And it was like, okay, well, they're getting their kickback at 15 20%. Yeah. But they were also getting paid, and they might not be getting paid a lot. And especially, say, Gina, who's fighting in the UFC, it's right. a mean payday. But she's making three times as much as her payday because she sold 20 tickets. Yeah. And they yeah. were good. And they were upper-tier people who understood the business because they came from a world of MMA and, and, and tough enough where you wanted to be on a tough enough show. And at the time, the amateur MMA loved Jeff, but it's like, you got to sell tickets to be on the show. Yeah. And you're selling them 40, $50 tickets, not $10 tickets. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's got 30 people on his show selling him 10 tickets. He's already got 300 through the door. Without him having to sell anything. So the casual fan now buys tickets. And of course he's going to do five, six, seven hundred people. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you continually learn in this business. Yeah, you know, who who your friends are, who who's loyal, who appreciates. You know, that's why, you know, my Mount Rushmore you know, would have to include like a Hammerstone and Chris Bay and right. a cross because those guys went out of their way to help us in one way or the other. And not saying that these other guys who were our champions weren't great, but when you make it and you get to another level, it's easy and it ain't easy to forget, but it's easy to be like, hey, you know what? I'm doing this for a living now. Appreciate what you did, Joe, but I'm not coming in for little to no money. I get it, you know, but we've been fortunate that a lot of our good crew has been that way. And, you know, to this day, 
you, you could see Cross still, you know, sharing some stuff or, or retweeting some old FSW promo thing that he did. Yeah. And, and, you know, at this point, can't wrestle for us, but he shows his love for the company. Yeah. As does a Chris Bay and as does a Hammerstone, as does, you know, a Limelight, yeah. as does a, a Zoe Stark. Jay Vidal, you know, guys who, who've been there, done that. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting because it is an evolution too. You know, uh, everything is always changing and, you know, you're part of the change, but then also you're trying to keep up with the actual changes. So it's, it's, it's amazing how it, and it's not just, it's not just pro wrestling, but, you know, it's entertainment and sports in general. How that evolves reflects then how, you know, you have to evolve as uh, either a performer or a promoter. And it's it's amazing how, like you said, you know, we, we look back, the difference between 15 years and now, it's it's crazy how much times have changed and mentality has changed as well. And it's, um, you know, and then that's that's all just within the business, not even thinking about the inflation. <laughs> you know, it's like economy too. You got to take that into consideration. And it's- Yeah, I'm, I'm glad uh, gas prices are going down. So I don't have to worry about people trying to hit me up for more money for gas. Yes. You know, when you're $5 a gallon and, and you're not coming in for a lot of money, you know, yeah. it, it it adds up, especially when we were doing the, the smaller school shows that are set up for 100 to 150. Yeah. And as I said, you know, it, it's pretty easy when there's two good matches on the card and the other six matches are a bunch of young guys who are literally pretty not getting paid. So you can you can keep that budget low. Right. But you know, look at the shows we do, you know, most of the, unless it's a future shock, everything else is usually extremely experienced guys, but guys who got a track record on the indies. So they're not working for peanuts. Right. You know, I, I, I don't get Royce and Jarrell or Tito and Che or, or, or Chris Bay for what I got them when they first started with me. Now right. they'll still give me a better deal than most other people, but it's still going to add up. And now when you're adding up 12, 14 of those guys, yeah, you know, it, it's hard to turn a profit. Yeah. Because even the younger wrestler evolves the Shoguns, the ice Williams who, you know, initially they're working, in exchange for free training and then it's like hey they're getting free training and they're getting some pay but now they're gonna now they're gonna get the pay of the the regular guys who've been around a while like the remy's and the cody's and now you got 10 of those guys instead of four of those guys and it's like each level goes up yeah and then if you want somebody you try to negotiate and in some cases great and in some cases you know as I've always talked about with Limelight, like he was willing to work. He wanted to come out here. He understood what I was capable of 
for a small show and he was understood what I was capable of for a bigger show. So the bigger show was, you know, closer to the number that he liked. Right. So he was willing to come in because he liked coming to Vegas. You know, he likes getting a room. He likes hanging out with Chris Bay and, and ice and, and our crew. Yeah. So, you know, that's how we get mainstays. That's how we get hammerstones. And then they pass it on down to their group, which is the class and Reno's and Koa's and, and Blair Brody's and, you know, and Arizona, Brittany Brooks and, and just, and Viva Van and all these people that have come in. It's like in most cases, or I would say in 95% of the cases of our outside talent, they approached me first. Sure. I getting an email from Brian Cage. I got an email from, L.A. Knight, Sean Ricker. Hey, I'm teaming with him in Hollywood. Love to come out. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, so some of your stuff looks good, but I can pay you this, which, believe me, wasn't a lot. Wasn't more than gas money. And he came out and we're like, oh, shit, this motherfucker, he's got a shot to be some big deal. And, you know, eight years later, we were shocked he wasn't. And now it's like he's the, the top baby face on SmackDown. Yep. So... You know, it was things that we saw or I saw years ago. And yeah. those guys approached me because from whatever they heard, you know, we got a great representation in the NorCal Reno area. Why? Because the Reno scum put us over. Yeah. Oh, they were considered one of the best tag teams on the Indies. And even though they weren't getting paid a lot, you know, they got Brian Kendrick and Paul London. They got Ricochet and Rich Swan. They got to be on the IWF shows and wrestle the Young Bucks a couple times. So they were taken care of, and they always put over the company. Even guys we don't use that much or haven't used in forever, like the Commandos. Love to have them back. It's just the logistics. You right. know, it costs money. They're driving from Sacramento. You know, back when they were really, really beginning, they were willing to do it for losing money. Right. Um, and, you know, it's nine hours one way. Yeah. You know, for a 10 minute match, you know, you're basically taking your entire day for 10 minutes to not really make money. Yeah. You know, it's a tough business. And it's like, you know, there's so many sacrifices. And, you know, when I'm first starting, I'm not paying attention to that. I'm wondering about my, you know, wins and losses. What, do, what made money? What didn't make money? What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? I'm not thinking of the wrestler and like, hey, why is this guy want fifty dollars more now? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, and I see it a lot. You know, there's always the the wrestler making a post about the promoter, and then the promoters, because obviously promoters know who other promoters are. So whether you do it or they do it, they friend request you. Yeah. So you know. Well, there's there's Rudy Boy Gonzalez in Texas, and he was the main trainer for Shawn Michaels School. So he's got the notoriety from that, or or Thomas Williams War Wrestling in Chicago, where they do a lot of stuff. And you know, he's the guy we're gonna get the guardrails covers from and things. And I guess Cardona made a post that's blown up, which I have no idea why, but it's like, oh, you know, you need to make sure you got water for the boys. And it's like we always try to, but we're running around doing a million things. There's sometimes that it, it lacks or whatever, but you know, 
in reality, is it something you should do? Absolutely. I don't feel that I'm supposed to cater a meal for right. somebody who's going to wrestle. You know, if we when we had sponsors and they brought pizzas, hey, here you go, guys. When fans have brought pizzas, here you go, have hamburgers, whatever. Sure. But, you know, it's calling them out, the promoters. And now I see all the promoters. Yeah. How about when uh, we give you all those waters, you actually throw it in the fucking garbage instead of expecting us to clean it up. You know, so so there's the argument either way. And I know it. Like, how many times do we got to clean after a fucking show? Yep. Like, throw away your own shit. I don't expect you to throw away my shit. Why do I got to throw away your shit? Or the production yep. is after it's done. Guys, you know, then it's like, oh, we're out of waters. It's like, yeah, well, why don't we combine the 27 waters that are, like, either half drunk or a third drank that nobody will drink anymore? Yeah. Because you decided to grab a second one, and you didn't even half finish the first one. Yep. Yep. And, and by the way... <laughs> again this is this is so funny thinking about that's today when i think about 30 years ago and being backstage and stuff bottled water wasn't a thing so you had to either have a drink bring, you bring your gatorade it's like the same thing when we we bring in waters for the day of the show in the fridge for people to buy and then in training they decide to take their waters well, why do I owe you water now since you've already taken my waters that were used for something else? Yep. Like, all right. Hey, leave a dollar. Figure yeah. out $24 for 24 bottles. You know, if we got five, we would buy another case of water. Right. Yep. You get a dollar every, every three cases. Yep. Like, dude, it's not your water. This is, you're coming to train. You're paying to train. Go to, when you go to the gym, you don't go up to the counter and say, "Hey, I need that bottled water and give me uh, give me a fruit smoothie." Thanks. I'll see you later. They'll be like, "Where the fuck are you going?" And that bottle of water will be five dollars instead of <laughs> buy a, buy a case and it's twenty cents. Yeah, yeah. And bring your own. It's yeah, it's it's funny to you can get a you can get a bottle of one and a half liters of Fiji water for two dollars and sixty nine cents. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you know the right places, you can you know get five of those for you know seven bucks. It you know it's just you, you well, if you work your crazy horse too, you just you just take them while you're working. Uh, is that is that why Godfather always stay hydrated? It was uh... very hydrated behind the bar. Yes, <laughs> actually, I used to hear the not not him, but I used to hear the bartenders. They used to bring their own booze so they could steal. Oh so wow! Did the thing. Oh. Like, why are you even telling me? I'm a DJ. I don't. <laughs> you ain't helping me make money. <laughs> That's what they would do. They would they would they would have their backpack and they'd have like two bottles of like wow. them stuff they pour from it that way if anybody ever checked it didn't look like hey that bottle of gray goose is empty yet we supposedly haven't sold any vodka today right wow yeah, biggest thieves in the business the bartenders 
Yeah, too bad you couldn't do that with your music. Bring in your own music and uh, steal. Oh, I did bring in my own music. Ah, hey. And I had to pay for it. Then that's what happened. Afterwards, these other people that want to be DJs because I would have the CDs, you know. Right. And now it got turned into MP3s that you would play off the computer. Right. Then you'd be like people you know, like, oh, man, can I get some of this music? Why would I give you the music that I spent thousands of dollars for? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. I I forgot about that too. The the transition in the early 2000s into the MP3. I started with vinyl. I still got thousands of records cuz my mom never threw away most of them. <laughs> so if you know anybody who needs like uh freestyle dance music or like, you know, the the late 80s alternative, you know, the Duran Durans and and those groups, I, I pretty much, a lot of people bought like the hair metal albums that I had. Sure. But <laughs> a bunch of records that I have now. And the thing is, it's like, yeah, that's cool and everything. But it's like, I also transferred like all my records into categories because I needed them for the clubs. Right. So it's like, I got the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the alternative, the rock, the dance, the disco, everything. And it's like, so you don't really need to pull out a turntable and put the thing on vinyl. You know, it's cool to see what you got. But in reality, it's like, I'm glad I got it back. But it's like, if I can sell it, I would just sell it. Yeah. Because there's no there's no physical need for it. Exactly. That's Harry, You know, six milk crates of fucking records and shit. And that's why I think I got a bad back when I was younger, between that and shoveling snow. Yeah, right. You know, the New York winter and uh, and having to uh, move the shit around. That's yeah. You know, you you would you'd go do uh, you know there was times where you worked at like most of the time if I worked in a club, everything they had was there, but I'd have yeah. to bring records all the time. And then if you did a party or a wedding, now you had to lug the equipment, the speakers. All that shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone, uh, there you go. A little, uh, little history. If uh, yeah, if you need somebody for the Christmas party, I'm here. <laughs> uh, check out uh, hopefully on Fight Plus TV uh, if you're not in town this uh, Saturday the ninth. Uh, and uh, also, uh, if you are in town and can get down, uh, go to the FSW Arena and check out the show. Uh, yeah, we're be, doing, uh, uh, as, as you know, we're doing the, the toy drive on the 16th. So right. we're trying to start that a little bit. So on the 9th, tickets are also 30 for front row and 20 for GA. But if you bring an unwrapped toy on the 9th, we're going to give you the same discount. So you'll get $5 off the toy, up to two. So you can get $10 off. So your GA ticket could be $10 on the 9th. Bring two more toys on the 16th, and they're 10 bucks again. So you can see two shows for twenty dollars, and then and help out for a really good cause. So, yeah, yeah no, definitely. Uh, make sure you guys get down there, and um, you know this is the uh, this is the best time with uh, you know getting those prices and the donations, and you know just helping people out. I mean, it's it's uh, it's good both ways. So. Um, check it out and uh, everyone thank you for tuning in and we'll see you guys next week